Amen. You may be seated. Well, I invite ruling elder Matt Balaka to come to deliver um, the first of a series of messages uh, that's been on his heart about um, speaking about evangelism and the importance and um, of the church's role in in that work, the great commission that's been given to us. And so we begin here with the topic, what is the evangel? You can look at uh, Romans 6.23. Thank you, Brad. Uh, yep, Romans 6.23, just one verse this morning that we're going to be looking at. And um, just to give you an idea of what we're doing with the uh, series on evangelism is there'll be three Three sermons on it. Uh, the first is uh, what Brad said it was, what is the evangel? And then what is evangelism will be next week. And then the week after that will be evangelism and evangelicals. So sort of understanding um, our, our role in it. The, the three goals um, for the series would be to have a better, in, a better understanding of the gospel and a more simple understanding of the gospel. Right? If we're interested in sharing the gospel, we... Um, you have to be able to to simplify it. And sometimes in order to simplify it, you have to have a a better, deeper understanding of it. Uh, Another goal would be to have a clearer understanding of what it means to share the gospel. Uh, And then finally, a challenging and encouraging call to see your role in in sharing the gospel. So the, the titles of the sermons could have been The Gospel, The Sharing of the Gospel, and the sharing of the gospel by those who've been saved by the gospel. Um, but I picked the other. Um, I try to use evangelism in all three titles. So this morning's sermon, is, as we've heard already, is what is the evangel? Um, you, can't, you can't go about sharing the gospel without knowing the gospel. You kind of have to know what it is. And I do believe that Christians, if you are a Christian, you have some working understanding of the gospel. Um, You can't be saved apart from some understanding of the gospel. You you have to know who you're trusting. You have to know who your Savior is. But we could do a better job in understanding the gospel. And um, quite frankly, it doesn't matter if you've been studying the gospel for years. You can have a better understanding of it. And I think in heaven we're going to continue. I don't think you can plumb the depths of the gospel. So what is the good news then? What is the gospel of Christianity? The word evangel means good news, and we want to understand what, what is the good news? What is it simply? Our text this morning is going to answer that for us, so let's pray and, uh, and we'll read it. Heavenly Father, we are grateful to be here looking at your word considering the gospel that has saved us. And Lord, I do pray that, uh, that you would help me. This, this gospel in your word is called your gospel. And, um, we want to realize that this news that we're considering sharing is not our news. We don't want to mess it up. It's your news. It's, it's, it's a message that has come from you. And um, as I consider speaking on this passage of your word and, and helping us get a better understanding of the gospel, I, I pray, Lord, that, 
that you would speak through me, that, that whatever is good from what I've prepared uh, and true and accurate would, would be received by your people, that we might gain a better understanding. I pray that your spirit would be at work uh, in all of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Okay, so we have, uh, in this text, we have both good news and bad news, good news and bad news. Um, my mom used to tell a joke. Um, she, she would say, I have good news and bad news for you. <clears throat> and, and I'd say, she'd say, what do you want to hear first? <laughs> okay, the good news. Well, the good news is that there's no bad news. And the bad news is that there's no good news. Well, you guys are putting together where I get my sense of humor. Uh, <clears throat> well, that, that's not the case with Christianity, right? The, the bad news of Christianity, or the bad news that I would say the good news of Christianity comes against is it's really the worst possible news ever. It's not just bad news. It's, it is incredibly bad news. And, and the good news is the best possible news ever, right? So you've got this sharp contrast of good news and bad news. And I, I think that, I really do think that it's critical that we understand the bad news as well as we can in order to see the good news shining against the backdrop of the bad news. So there is a tendency, I think, among uh, just Christianity in general or Christians in general to, to soften, soften the bad news. You know, you, you think of sayings like, you know, God is not so mad and, and man is really not so bad. And you think, huh, um, that's not the case, is it? Um, the bad news is so bad, and we're gonna we're gonna look at that this morning before we get to the good news. There are illustrations that help draw the contrast between good news and bad news um, concerning the gospel. One of my favorites would be, you know, that the stars shine more brightly against the dark midnight sky than they do against the noon sky. That, that that's good. Um, you think of the greater the danger, the greater the rescue. I hear a story of someone getting saved from some terrible, terribly dangerous situation, and, and the rescue is, is all the more sweeter. Speaking of danger, um, I do have a, a story about danger. Um, it's not my middle name or, or anything like that. But the story is uh, yeah, in Yosemite. This is probably about 15 years ago. Uh, I went to Yosemite with uh, my girlfriend at the time, and... Uh, by the way, Jackie's not here this morning. <laughs> I feel free to tell this story. <laughs> so so I go to, we go to Yosemite, my girlfriend at the time, um, and we climbed up one of the hikes to get to a waterfall. Maybe it was Upper Yosemite Falls. I, I don't remember. But when, when we got there, um, um, I, I was... You know, we were in the waterfall, and you kind of get wet in the waterfall, there's a little pool, and then there was a cliff, right, because that's where, that's where we were. And I decided that it was a good idea to try to get close to the end of the cliff, the edge of the cliff, to see if I can see 
over. <laughs> and my girlfriend gives me that look, you know. I think she even said, don't be stupid. <laughs> don't, what, what are you doing? And, and I thought, well, I know you're saying that, but you, I'll, I'll just prove how tough I am. And, and so I, I, went to the, I went close to the edge to see if I could see over it. And yeah, that's just a really stupid thing to do. And she told me so. And she continues to tell me these things. Um, uh, it, it was Jackie that I was with at the, at the time. And <laughs> that, look, that look that she gave me is one that I've grown so accustomed to. And <laughs> I still get it, not, maybe not quite as often. I, I think I might be maturing a little bit. So um, one of the things that I think is, is interesting about that is uh, obviously I didn't think that it was as dangerous uh, to do what I did at, uh, up on that cliff. But if I saw one of my kids up there, oh, like I, I see my kids do things in the backyard, and I'm like, no, no, don't do that, right? And I, I'm turning into my mom, right? My, my mom used to, you know, wouldn't let me ride my bike without holding onto the handlebars and stuff. And, and I, I, I get this feeling of, it's, it's like I, a dangerous situation when I see my kids going through it just seems more, uh, more real to me than, than if, if I was there myself. So as we, consider, as we consider the good news of the, of the gospel and the bad situation from which the gospel saves us, uh, we're going to use a cliff illustration to help us understand that, not, not the Yosemite cliff, but c- consider, uh, consider a cliff on the, uh, on the side of Mount Everest, okay, about halfway up the mountain, and I, I looked this up, uh, that would be about 15,000 feet up, uh, about... Uh, a little over a thousand stories, right? But you're thinking of a building. Okay, so think of yourself there, a cliff on the side of Mount Everest, and below you, the drop is so deep that you can't see the bottom. You can't see the bottom. And then in contrast to that, the top of the mountain is so, so far above you that you can't see the top either. So you're sort of in the middle. Uh, the top of the mountain represents safety and um, I don't have to tell you what the bottom of the mountain represents. So I'm really trying to get us to think about this uh, picture, uh, imagining yourself in a very scary situation, a very scary situation. And um, maybe if you think that this is more of a thrilling situation uh, than scary, then like I said, I mean, imagine it's a child that you love, right? Imagine it's your own child or a child that you know and love, and, and it's them right at the edge of the, you know, this gigantic cliff. Well, what words instinctively come to mind? You know, someone's, someone's in a very high place, and you think, what, what, do I, what do I tell them? How do I calm them down? Don't look down, right? Whatever you do, don't look down. You'll scare yourself to death. You'll get dizzy, you'll fall, just, you know, don't look down. And I think that um, many people walk around in the world, um, uh, unbelievers, um, whistling in the dark is, is the way I've heard it described, right? It's dark, it's, there's a danger, there's something ahead of us, uh, death is coming for all of us, and people are just whistling in the dark, right? I just get my mind off it. If, if I can get my mind off of this, then I'll, then I'll be okay. Um, but we don't want to do that with, with Scripture. Um, the, the bad news for mankind is real, and um, 
it's no use just trying to get your mind off of it. And, and we want people to understand that we're, we're in a terrible predicament as sinful, sinful humanity. What we're going to do is, um, in order to get a better understanding of the good news, we're going to look down this into the abyss um, from half, half of uh, Mount Everest, and we're going to look down as deep as we can. We're going to see, see how, how, how dark the bad news is. Um, so in our text this morning, the wages of sin is death. Okay, wages of sin is death. Wages are what you get paid by your employer. Okay, that's, wages are also your compensation that corresponds to your work. Wages are what are due to you. Wages are what you've earned. Wages are what you have coming to you. Wages are what you deserve. Uh, are you a sinner? What wages do you have coming to you? Now, um, as I mentioned earlier, when I was younger, you know, you're sort of naive about your own mortality. And, um, and I actually, I was one, I didn't become a Christian until later. I was one of the people that just tried to get get eternity off my mind. Some people would try to talk to me about that, and I'd, nah, I don't want to hear anything about that. I'd, I'd be running the other way. Um, <clears throat> and even now, this is the interesting thing, even now when I consider that I'm a sinner and that what I deserve for my sin, um, I, it's, it's almost like I don't take that as seriously as when I start thinking about it with relationship to my loved ones, my kids, my family, my wife, my mom and dad. It's like I take it more seriously when I'm thinking, well, you're in, you're in big danger. And they might say, so are you. <laughs> yeah, but I don't take it as, I take it more seriously. I'm thinking, about, I'm thinking about my loved ones. It doesn't shock me as it rightfully should, I don't think. <clears throat> so, um, so let's peer then over the edge of this uh, cliff, and, um, and I'll go first, Okay. So, I deserve to die, and I deserve to be cast into hell forever. Uh, my two brothers and my sister deserve to die and deserve to be cast into hell forever. Uh, my mom deserves to die, deserves to be cast into hell forever. I knew these, these were going to be hard to read. Um, my dad deserves to die. I, I have to say this every time. So my dad deserves to die and deserves to be cast into hell forever. My wife deserves to die, deserves to be cast into hell forever. Uh, my two daughters. You see, I, I, I have to say this because it's true. But I, I can't say it. I can't, I can't even talk right now. Okay, so, so my two daughters deserve to die and deserve to be cast into hell forever. My two sons deserve to die and to be cast into hell forever. You deserve to die 
and you deserve to be cast into hell forever. Same with your family and all your friends and everyone you know. You know, I practiced reading those and I was able to read them before, but I, I, I knew it would be more serious now. Okay, um, <clears throat> all have sinned and fall, uh, fall short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23. And uh, I was going to ask, is, is that hard to think about? Does that make you afraid? Um, well, it should. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. That's what Hebrews 10.31 says. And um, as you think about that, you think about the illustration with uh, Mount Everest. That's such a weak illustration, isn't it? it? I mean, Mount Everest, this threat that I was trying to paint for you, this really only touches your physical body, right? You, you fall off of Mount Everest, you probably won't even, you probably wouldn't even feel it, right? Well, whenever you died, it would just be physical death. But um, scripture tells us, do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. And that's Matthew 10, 28. So you have a weeping and gnashing of teeth, these ways that hell is described in scripture, and it never ends. It's eternal, constant, conscious torment. Outer darkness, lake of fire, for, forever. How can God, who is love, be so hard on people? Well, it's because he's holy. And we don't really understand what that means. God loves goodness, and God hates wickedness. He hates it. And not only does he hate wickedness, he hates wicked people. That's what uh, Psalm 11.5 says. Sin is an affront against God. It's an insult to him. It's a stench in his nostrils. And we are all loaded down with more sin than we can ever imagine. Have you, um, have you ever met a homeless person, um, and, and I don't mean the people who dress in shabby clothes uh, and do panhandling. I'm not talking about those type of people. Uh, um, I don't remember. I'm sure, I'm sure there are folks around here, but I'm from Los Angeles, and I remember there were some, there were people who were asking for money, and I could tell that they weren't really homeless. You look at their shoes, and, and you, you can just tell, and then there were people that you could tell that they hadn't had a shower in years. They, they stunk badly. They'd walk around. Their, their hair was all clumped together. Like you just, it's so f just complete filth. They stink. You've got this smell of urine and excrement. Just, uh, <clears throat> I've met some, pe some people like that, and normally my impulse is, got to get away. I don't, I don't want to catch a whiff of that. Well, imagine that person sitting on your couch at home or laying in your bed, right? 
and you think, what's, what's your impulse? Well, th the impulse is to be kind of repulsed by that, right? It's, it's an it's offense, at least it's an offensive smell, if nothing else, but it, it's, you know, we, we, we're, we wanna stay away from that. And um, what I wanna say is that that doesn't come close, right? Not even close to how offensive our sin is to God, right? He is holy and he doesn't think sin is cute. Obviously, he doesn't think sin is cute. The wages of sin is death. We you look at, he's got hell. There's hell to pay for sin. He, uh, we, we understand what Christ had to go through. It's not cute. It, it, it's, he's repulsed by it, and, and he ought to be. And we just don't understand how holy he is. Um, that's why we're not as repulsed by it. So, you know, we're, we're reformed here, right? And, and we care about doctrine and we care about the doctrine of sin, right? The study of sin, you know, we can do a Bible study on that, right? We can look at sin intellectually. Well, that's fine, that's a good idea. Adam sinned in the garden and his sin had consequences on all his progeny. Hmm? We're all born with a sinful nature, original sin, and, be, and we sin because we're sinners, right? Rather than becoming sinners because we sin, that's all true, and, and we could study that, and I think we should study that. We're just not going to do that this morning because no amount of study on how sin came into the world makes you smell any better. I mean, it's true. Sometimes we, we, we throw things up for intellectual exercise, and you just say, yeah, go ahead and study it, right? But don't study it in such a way that you're just trying to distance yourself from the reality of it. You stink, you reek of sin. It, it, uh, it, your sin is repulsive, and, and that's what we have to deal with. So, um, each of us is standing at the edge of the cliff on Mount Everest, and really, that's the bad news as, as best as I can say it. That's the midnight sky, as dark as I can color it. And Again, I, you guys should know that my crayons aren't black enough to, to paint as black as it is, right? To, you know, I have to get through a few minutes of, 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 of hard words that are hard to say, and I say, yeah, well, great. Three, three to five minutes of, of, of tough talk, right, that, that kind of sobers you up. Yeah, well, if what, if what Scripture says is true about it, that's... It's not even scratching the surface, right? Is that as black as it gets? No, it gets a lot blacker, a lot blacker than that. But that's the best I can do. So, you ready for some good news now? <laughs> you ready to see a shiny star? Um, the rest of the verse says, the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Notice the contrast with the words wages and free gift. Wages are earned, and a free gift or a gift is given. And I, I think just to underscore the giftness of the gift, it's called a free gift. It, really, you just say a gift. A gift is something that's given. It's not earned. So there's the contrast. Wages, the wages of sin is death. The free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. So the good news is not wages. We do not earn it. We do not deserve it. 
So what is the evangel? What is the gospel? Um, you know, I've, I've heard uh, preachers and teachers try to describe the gospel by first saying what it's not. Um, and we're going to do a little bit of that this morning. Um, talk about some false notions about what the gospel is. Um, and I've heard, I've heard what, I've, what I'll call slogans, but I don't, mean, I don't mean that in a bad way. But these slogans that you guys might be familiar with. The gospel is not about you. It's about Jesus. You ever hear that? Oh, yeah. Right. Uh, the gospel is not your best life now. Have you heard that? Your testimony is not the gospel. There's, there's one. We're going to interact with these. I, you know, as, as I mentioned those, you say, well, I, do I agree with that? Um, you know, would I, would I have any quibbles with that? We're going to interact with those. But first, let me give you a, a positive summary of the gospel. Here it is. The gospel is the good news about the person and work of Jesus Christ. Okay? Or another summary. The gospel is the good news that God sent his son into the world to save sinners from the wages of sin. And another. The gospel is the good news that God freely gives eternal life to sinners by uniting them to Jesus Christ our Lord. Here's another. The gospel is the good news that all those who believe in Jesus have had their sins paid for in full by Jesus and have been given the righteousness of Jesus that reconciles them to God. And one more. The gospel is the good news that Jesus suffered the torments of hell for us so that we can enjoy heaven with him. So let's spend a little bit more time on the person and work of Jesus and in Sunday school, we've been dealing with this a lot. This is not going to be news to you guys. Probably nothing, uh, nothing in today's sermon is news to anybody. It's just a reminder of what we believe. So Jesus is the God-man, right? We're talking about the person and work of Jesus. Jesus is the God-man. Uh, our God is triune, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jesus is the Son of God, God the Son, who was born in Bethlehem about 2,000 years ago. Jesus is one person with two natures, a divine nature and a human nature. Jesus is the God-man. That's, that's it. And then what did Jesus come to do? Well, he lived a perfect life. He earned, by keeping the law of God perfectly, a righteousness that deserves heaven. And Jesus also died on the cross and suffered the full wrath of God for the sins of his people. He suffered the anguish of hell as the wrath of God was poured out on him. And that's some of the stuff that we were talking about in Sunday school. Jesus is our substitute. We need to be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect, Matthew 5, 48. And Jesus was perfect on our behalf. The wages of sin is death and hell, and Jesus suffered the wages on our behalf. Sin is dirty, it is foul, it stinks, it's ugly, it's wicked, and God will have no part of it. And we, as we said earlier, we're all loaded down with it. But the blood of Jesus washes it away. The blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin, 1 John 1, 7. Jesus doesn't wash away some of our sin or most of our sin, but all of it. We need to be pure to enter heaven, and Jesus makes us pure. That's, that's good news. 
That is good news, to have Christ as your sure hope in life and death. You know, we, we don't know when we're going to die. We don't know when our footing on the cliff is going to give. Um, but if we're in Christ, we have, we have nothing to fear. If we're in Christ, we don't fall off the cliff into the abyss. Uh, we fall into the everlasting arms of Christ, and, and he takes us to the top safely. That's, that's what death is to the Christian. So how foolish to trust our own feet, which are made of clay, to keep us safe from falling when Christ would have us to soar on eagles' wings, Isaiah 40, 31. All right, um, just to end here, let me go ahead and interact with those slogans that we talked about just to get some clarity, clarity on the gospel. The gospel is not about you, it's about Jesus. I've, I've heard that, and there's something that I agree with about that, and then there's something that I disagree with about that. Uh, it is true that Jesus is the hero of the gospel, and you're not. That is certainly true, and mankind likes to try to make everything revolve around him, and that just ain't the case. Uh, Jesus is the hero of the gospel. But the hero saves his people in the gospel. And you're one of his people if you're in Christ. So is the gospel really not about you at all? Does it have nothing to do with you? I've heard people say that. You know, just try to emphasize this point. The gospel's got nothing to do with you at all. Nothing, right? Jesus is the star of the show. That's true. But he's purchased a ticket for you. You're, you're there. You're, you're in the audience. The gospel is about you in this way. You're the dirty one that Jesus came to clean. All right, the gospel is not your best life now. Um, well, I think this depends on how you define your best life. If you mean health, wealth, and prosperity, then the gospel is certainly not uh, your best life now. But if you are to live a life that is one of true joy, and if true joy is defined as your best life now, then the gospel most certainly gives you your best life now. Far better than physical health, material wealth, and worldly prosperity. If you're a Christian, you have all you need for true joy, and that's the best kind of life. You're reconciled to God, and you have Jesus Christ as your best friend. Man, that, does it get any better than that? Your testimony is not the gospel. This is the last one. I think it depends on your testimony. Um, a good testimony is how Jesus came into your life and saved you. So your testimony is not the gospel per se, but your testimony should be about how the gospel, how the person and work of Christ came to save you, right? So yes, your, your testimony is not the gospel, and maybe there are a lot of weak testimonies out there, and you know, I used to not have a lot of fulfillment in life, and now, now I'm, I'm pretty good, and you know, I used to smoke weed and do drugs, and I don't do that no more. Praise be to Jesus. Is that the gospel? No, that's not the gospel. No, Jesus saved you from falling off the cliff into the bottomless pit. And, uh, and Jesus saves you and promises to take you safely to his celestial kingdom far above the peak of Mount Everest. So what is the gospel? Um, what is the evangel? Uh, you, I'm, I'm trying to give you uh, a 
bunch of different summaries just to, to help us get clarity on it. It's the good news that Jesus came to save us from the wages of sin and give us everlasting life. And we'll close with uh, 1 Timothy 1.15. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. Let's pray. Father, we are we're grateful uh, for the good news of the gospel. We're grateful for the person and work of Christ. We know that, that this news um, actually comes to us in Christ. It's a person. This good news is reconciliation with you through your son, Jesus Christ, and, um, and your spirit indwells us and unites us to Christ and it's such good news Lord that we we do want to meditate upon it um, we want to have a deep understanding of it and we want to be able to have a, a quick summary of it it's it's not wrong to have a, a quick summary your scripture gives us a quick summary of it um, as was prayed um, earlier today we we pray that we would have the gospel at the tip of our tongues, that, um, that we would understand and, and recite and reflect upon and preach the gospel to ourselves, that we may know it more. And uh, Lord, if you bring opportunity for us to be able to share that gospel with someone, we pray that you would help us to do that. Uh, help us to realize that sinful man is in a is in a terrible situation. Um, the wages of sin is death, and, and the darkness of, of life outside of Christ is, is unfathomable to us. Um, help us not to forget that. And, um, and we are so grateful um, that you've given us your son and that you've saved us. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Matt. You know, I've, I've gone out and um, done evangelism before and, and kind of witnessed to people, and, um, and it, it's terrifying and um, intimidating. And I've done that with, um, with a, a lot of different personalities. Um, but I, I would just encourage you, if you haven't gone with um, Matt before, you really should. He does have a, a gift for articulating the gospel uh, to those that he interacts with, and he has a boldness uh, that few of us have to be able to walk up to someone and share that truth with them in love. And it's, it's, it's clear in the way he does that. So I'd encourage you to join him one of these fourth Saturdays. But let's go ahead and uh, stand and respond to this message of the gospel by singing the gospel now. Uh, hymn number 278, Nothing But the Blood.